assurance, if you do not leave a message, there is absolutely no chance that I will call you back. Thanks. Bye. Hello. This is Hamilton County. WWTA, your past due sewer account has been submitted for disconnection. You must pay $344.67 in order to reinstate your account. This amount can only be paid online at www.hamiltontn.gov forward slash WWTA or by phone at 1-844-657-2837. You cannot make a payment at a walk-in location. You may also press 2. Now, to make a payment, you must pay $344.67. Your bill comes with $302.67. $300? No, hey, that's bullshit. Thank you. Goodbye. Things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian. What would you say you do here? Stone on air. I'm so happy I could die. Wait, but don't die, right? I'm so happy I could die right now. I'm so happy since you left me. I could die because I'm so just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the Stone on Air podcast. The day that this is available for your downloadable consumption is February 6th, the year 2020. How you doing on this Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? Whenever you're listening, hopefully you're doing well. I am doing good. The rain's been irritating this week. And overall, man, what... What a damn week. Uh, just for stuff to talk about. Um, I don't know how much all of it's all that important. And I had started putting this podcast together probably Friday of last week, actually. Probably Friday, and I know I spent a good amount of time on it on Saturday. I can't remember my days are running together, but I don't usually start the show that early. And uh, I'll, it, my water war continues. Just another couple of mentions on that here in a minute, and uh, I'll move along from that. This should be my final show through SoundCloud. Um, I have talked to my web guy. He should have me set up by next week to start hosting at stoneonair.com. What does that mean to you if you are a listener through just any of the app, you know, podcast listening apps? Podcast Addict. Um, what are some of the other ones? Hell, that's the one I use. Not on Spotify. He's going to help me fix that as well. iTunes, clearly. Apple Podcasts. If that's how you listen, any of those apps, then that's not going to mean anything to you. Um, but if for some reason you only listen to the show through SoundCloud, which believe it or not, there are people who actually do that through their app or through their website or whatever, it will not be available anymore, uh, hopefully after this one, because I'm not going to pay him anymore and I should have the website fixed up here soon enough. So um, uh, more on the week in a minute. So yeah, the water wars, if you're new to the show, which you likely are not, but I've just been fighting with the WWTA for a good while here, and I did a whole segment on it, and I called them as a, as part of a podcast, and if again, if you're here, you know that already. And I, it turns out they're not ripping just me off. They're just ripping everybody off. And my bill got so out of hand because this time I did find out what the rates were. It is $11.99 per thousand gallons used in Hamilton County, or at least in my my coverage area from the WWTA. 
and I got behind a couple of months. Well, I have quite a few people in this house right now, and 10,000 gallons adds up pretty damn quick. And I, that's how I got so far, far behind. The um, Tennessee American water rates appear to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $8.99 or 9 bucks or $7.50 or something like that. It's considerably less. So when you have a $60, $70 water bill and then a $110, $112 wastewater bill, that seems wrong. That seems like something's being calculated wrong. Well, until I got the numbers. Wastewater just pay just charges you for an unprovable amount. It's a complete scam. All that's still real. It's just nobody calls them out on it, and I'm not powerful enough, and nobody gives a damn about my woes in life. And uh, they're just going to continue to bill $11.99 per 1,000 gallons that they say I poured down the drain. So enough of that. I've paid them up. The damn water got cut off again because I didn't pay enough on the past due. I was still paying it, but not enough. I knocked it out, 344 whatever the hell dollars it was, and they got their money. Congratulations, WWTA. So this segment, or this show, I should say, is going to be two segments. Uh, in the second segment, I'm just going to have fun at Lindsey Graham's expense. Um, I We used to not be able to say things and then just completely contradict ourselves over and over and over and over and over again in the future, and that work well for anybody in any setting in any situation ever. We live in a different world now. It doesn't matter what you said 10 minutes ago. It matters what you said 10 seconds ago and what you're going to say 10 minutes from now, and it doesn't matter if it's contradictory. It's just, well, to me, it's just annoying as hell. So I'm going to go back in time and play some of his audio. Actually, I have 18 pieces of audio overall to play over the course of this show. I hope it doesn't drag out too long, but you know how I go. I just start rolling and I don't stop sometimes. Let's see. The first segment, I will get to Super Bowl thoughts. Iowa caucus and uh, impeachment talk. The week started with the Super Bowl on Sunday, then the Iowa caucuses, then the State of the Union, and then the acquittal uh, just last night of the impeachment, of course, but who the hell didn't know that was coming? So let's start with the Super Bowl here really fast, and then I'll end with the Super Bowl uh, from this segment. I totally messed up. One of my favorite days of the year is Super Bowl Sunday, and I like to go to a party or throw a party or just do something that's, I don't know if memorable is the right word, but just something that I enjoy. And a friend of mine, a bunch of old friends, hadn't seen in a while, we're having some people over, and I just decided to go out there, and I was really excited about that. And somehow I um, I drank too much early on and just really started feeling odd, weird, and uh, drunk. <laughs> Those are another words for drunk. And so I went home. And when I got here, I basically blacked out, and my girlfriend and their kids were here, and they were watching the game, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to come watch the game there anyway. I should have been, been doing that anyway. And, um, and then I was not the coolest guy ever, as a matter of fact, quite the opposite. And then I passed out by 9 o'clock. By 9 o'clock. <laughs> I woke up the next day and didn't remember a play of the damn game. And uh, I didn't see the Super Bowl halftime, and I woke up Monday just feeling awful. You know when, you, when you're a kid and you do something wrong and you, you know you've been caught? You know, you think you can lie your way out of everything, but you, you know deep down you've been caught. And you've got that feeling that just deep down in your gut, and it might not be even just a little kid, just a younger person, right? 
that's what I felt like all day long. Like, oh my God, I'm waiting on dad to come home. Or, oh my God, I'm waiting on the principal to show up. Or, oh my God, whatever. That's how my whole Monday went. And listen to people talk about the Super Bowl, a game I didn't even get to watch because I'm such a damn moron. I don't do that as much as I used to, but occasionally I still do. And when I do, I wear it. I was apologetic. I was like, I screwed this up, everybody who is affected by my behavior. And uh, I think I was forgiven. But I'll come back to that with a uh, comedian who does like an MAGA uh, super fan kind of uh, bit here in just a few. So we will start with the impeachment. Since that happened just last evening, last night, the acquittal. Well, who didn't know that, right? I mean, anybody who knew anything knew that that was going to happen. I have not been for impeaching this president at all. I have been saying, if you don't want him to be president anymore, then let's run a decent campaign, Democrats, and get him the hell out of office. And if you can't get him out of office, spend the next three and a half years after that figuring out who can you know, get whoever the next disciple of what is now the new the new Republican Party, I mean, or the Trump and Trumpian Party, or whatever. And we we are going into a very weird political uh, stratosphere for the next, you know, 20, 30 years, maybe forever, changing uh, the entire uh, two party system and our election process all the way around. Potentially, we'll see. Especially when we need to eliminate the Iowa caucuses. More on that in a minute. But there was one senator that flipped, and there was a handful to choose from. That we thought might. Lamar Alexander was one of them. He said earlier on a few days ago that he was not planning on doing that. And I think there needed to be, what, like six, maybe? Six or seven uh, senators, GOP senators that needed to flip, and the, the chances of that happening just weren't good. And um, what do you really want Mike Pence to be president anyway? I mean, I, none of this has made sense to me from the beginning. But here's what Mitt Romney told Fox News about why he decided to vote to convict the current president of the United States of America, the demagogue who was once a reality TV star, Don Trump. I believe that the act he took, an effort to corrupt an election, is as destructive uh, an attack on the oath of office and on our Constitution as I can imagine. It is a high crime and misdemeanor within the meaning of the Constitution, and that is not a decision I take lightly. It is the last decision I want to take. The personal consequences, the political consequences that fall on me as a result of that uh, are going to be extraordinary. But I swore an oath before God, and I'm a religious person, that I would apply impartial justice. And applying impartial justice said what the president did was grievously wrong. And I had to vote if I was going to live with my own conscience in a way that was consistent with that oath of office. I absolutely I guess I will applaud Mitt Romney though I'm not sure he's not just a crooked fraud all the way around either, just like all the rest of them. I will say, as I was looking him up real quick when I was finding this audio, 72 years old, looks damn good for a 72-year-old man. And because of the current climate of the overall politics, the vitriol nature of both sides, the divisiveness all the way around, I was against impeachments uh, from day one, do I think what he did was wrong or potentially tainting our democratic po process? I mean, yeah, I guess, but I'm a pick your battles and pick your fights kind of guy, and this just wasn't one I was going to pick. I would say just win the election if you want the asshole out of office. The election is in nine months. But Mitt Romney doesn't necessarily agree with my thinking when, when he was asked, why not just leave it up? to the people of the country who are about to go to the polls in, you know, what is it, nine months, right? 
You know, that uh, is a, a refrain that I think rings true to our democratic ears and, and our natural instincts. But the Constitution demands otherwise. The Constitution says the Senate is to try a president or, or a judge that is impeached by the House. Uh, and it indicated that the reason the Senate is to do this is because the people at large would have partisan instincts and that the size of those instincts and the size of those parties would determine the guilt or innocence of the charged, not, not uh, people who are impartial. So we swear a oath of impartial justice. It was not a responsibility. Uh, I, I was willing to uh, uh, to simply uh, uh, brush off and say uh, that I didn't want to take it. Well, I don't believe the majority of any of the senators or the House or anybody is actually holding up to swearing to their oath of, of being impartial. But he makes a very good point, and the bottom line of the point is don't leave it up to the numbnut public to decide something that could potentially be so dangerous. And I can't, uh, I can't argue with him on that. Uh, clearly, that's not the exact words he said, but that's the way it translated to me. In the end, I still agree with my original thought from the very beginning, from any time, any overreacting, super crazy liberal, uber left type wanted to impeach over anything that they weren't uh, happy with that day. And just the internet screams the loudest. I was just like, enough. We're not going to do this. And uh, unfortunately, they did. And, and I think it, I think it really damaged the Democrats going into 2020, and I, there's no chance. <laughs> I just I don't believe there's any chance that uh, Donald Trump loses in November. So now let's shift gears to uh, Monday and the Iowa caucuses. Now bear with me for a minute while I tell a quick story. I am not proud of this, but it's true. I didn't start getting involved with voting until really about 2006, when I was 26 years old. Now, I first started becoming fascinated with the election process really at an early age in some respects because my dad was so involved, but I really didn't start caring for real when it mattered until the hanging chads in Florida in 2000. And I stayed up that entire night watching NBC, Tom Brokaw, until like 6 in the morning or whatever time it was, and just like, oh, my God, this is incredible. This is amazing. And it really piqued my interest. And then 9-11, and then the Iraq War, and then I'm 23, 24, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't, I don't really even know how to do this. I'll, maybe I'll get around to it. And it wasn't until 2006 that I voted officially for the first time, and that was for, uh, what's his damn name? Harold Ford Jr. out of Memphis for the uh, Senate seat that Bob Corker one that year. And then I've been voting ever since. That was the uh, last midterm. That was a uh, disaster for the GOP before Obama won in 2008. I voted ever since then. But it was in 2007. I was working for talk radio and the morning press back when that show was still really good, covering a lot of good topics all the time. And during the um, the buildup to the 08 election, we had, they had, I was the producer of the show, Rand Paul. I don't remember what his position was exactly at that time. I don't know if he was in the Senate yet or not. But he uh, had written a book, I'm pretty sure. And Ron Paul was running as an independent, his dad, that year. And we had him on to talk about the Iowa caucuses and how basically they are ridiculous and they don't mean much of anything. And that was, well, I'm, what's my math on that, 13 years ago. And to this day, most people don't even know what the hell these Iowa caucuses are. And they absolutely don't represent anything that that is anybody's real thoughts across this country. Certainly not 
anywhere other than a couple of pockets of the Midwest. And the fact that regardless of which party it is going into the election year, spends so much time and so much money on a caucus in the middle of the rural country that nobody cares about is ridiculous, and it's revisionist history every time we think about it being this thing. Oh, well, it's really important. The last so-and-so president's won the country. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless data. People talk about junk science. How about junk data? You can find it in sports all the time. You can find it in political numbers. You can find it in anything in life. If you want data or statistics to back up what you're trying to prove, you can find something that gives you some kind of leverage on a conversation doesn't mean what's happening is actually true. The Iowa caucuses are ridiculous and basically meaningless, and they have been at least for the last couple of decades or so. But now there's a whole new world with the app and all this other mess. I don't even have they even announced a winner yet. It is it's a joke and it's making the Democrats look bad, even though it's not their fault. But Trump's going to blame them and call them names and, you know, tell your mama so fat jokes. And so it it's just another bad look in this particular election. And I just had to play back a portion just like it's less than a minute from my guy, Tony Kornheiser, his podcast. And he just was like, what in the hell is going on here? This is a clown show, bro. <laughs> this is an overrated, these Iowa caucuses, the, the proportion of what you get from this in terms of actual delegates is totally marginal. And everybody <laughs> focuses on this thing for weeks and months. And now they have a, and Trump's right, it's a disaster in terms of voting. You don't know now who won anything. And by the way, <laughs> Everybody wins and everybody loses. Because even when it's announced, people go, oh, I don't believe that now. I don't believe that. If you, if this was true, you'd have had it last night. It's a loser. A to- Am I wrong on this, Tori? This is your job. This is a you're, total loser. You're absolutely right. But who wins? Come on. Trump. Rhymes with rump, yeah. <laughs> Trump wins. It was such an overall great segment between him and David Aldridge, the basketball guy from ESPN, and... Just a great overall staff of mostly left-leaning moderates that are just like, what the hell is going on? And I get more and more a uh, moderate and closer to a libertarian every single day. So now the last segment of, uh, or last portion of this segment, I should say, and then have some fun at Lindsey Graham's expense on the way out the door for the Stone On Air podcast. The Super Bowl, but more, more in particular... The halftime show and just the overall complete fallacy that is boycotting the NFL. Remember that? Remember when this whole election thing was happening three and a half years ago and Kaepernick was doing his thing? I did a whole segment on it. Like, I mean, I, I, I called this way back then. You know, the I'll never watch the NFL again guy or gal. I'll tell you what, I'll never watch this. I'm boycotting this. I'll I'll never watch another NFL game again, Colin Kaepernick. How dare he disrespect the troops? You know, that was going on over there. Just all the fake outrage was just building. That, that hashtag was just starting. I believe I invented hashtag fake outrage. Um, I don't really mean that, but kind of. 
And so that's where we're at now. The the NFL is back to all-time high ratings. It was the 10th most watched Super Bowl in the history of the Super Bowl. And ratings were up across the board all season long. They're about to have a new television and web streaming package that's going to be in the billions. It hasn't been any more popular in the past than it is now. And so there's two angles here. There's the fraudulent nature of, I'll never watch this again. Yeah, right. And then there's coming from generally those same types of people, the I'm offended by things. And that's not just a a lefty liberal fag kind of thing. That's a super ridiculous MAGA maggot type, too, of I'm offended by this and you, you disrespect troops. They both do this nonsense, and it's so fake. And so there's both those angles. I will never watch this again except you're a liar and you are. And then there's... I'm offended by, you know, seeing some skin and some scantily clad women on uh, on the football field, and therefore I'm pissed off, even though I don't care about all these other things that are corrupting young minds and ruining the innocence of the youth by a rapidly increasing younger and younger age. It's just basically the I just want to be mad about something culture that comes from all walks of life and both political parties. So what I found is here is a guy named Brent... Terhune, as I think it's spelled, uh, pronounced, T-E-R-H-U-N-E. He has 80,000 Facebook likes. He has 22,500 f- uh, Twitter followers, and he is a comedian. Looks to be some kind of like character actor type. I don't know if this kind of M-A-G-A shtick is what he is starting to become uh, popular for or even kind of well-known. I don't even know if he's verified on Twitter. I don't think he is, actually. But maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I just thought it was fantastic. We will start off with the first cut here. I've got six of them from uh, Brent Terhune. And uh, this is an idea where he comes from. And, he, of course, he congrats the state of Kansas and Andy Reid, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. So by now, y'all seen the Super Bowl. And I want to send a big congratulations out to the great state of Kansas and the Chiefs. And a better luck next time to the 49ers. I like teams that... Don't lose the Super Bowl. And also, I want to send a side note out to Coach Andy Reid. Congratulations, Coach. I'm sure my president, Mr. Donald J. Trump, has been warming up Big Macs at the White House (laughs) ever since y'all won the Super Bowl, and I'm sure he's looking forward to having you out, you Wilford Brimley-looking motherfucker. (laughs) That's not my fault on that that bad edit there. It cut out from the audio that I had available to me that I got via Facebook. I'm sure it originates at YouTube. The next clip is, but wait, dude, wait, uh, MAGA type. I thought that you were boycotting the NFL. Isn't that what you've been saying for a while, right? And I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're thinking, hey, don't you boycott the NFL? And I say, you're goddamn right I boycott the NFL. Ever since old Colin Kaepernick decided to use his celebrity status to shine a light on an injustice in our world while doing a peaceful and nonviolent way. You're goddamn right I've been boycotting the NFL. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't even watch except for Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays during the playoffs. But other than that, I'm done with the NFL. <laughs> it's so good. So, so good. Uh, another quick thought on Kaepernick. And, of course, we'll transition this thing into the halftime show at this year's Super Bowl. You know, I'm sure glad his hate for Colin Kaepernick is genuine and he's not faking it to, I don't know, manipulate us maggots. Anyway, let's talk about the reason that we're all here. 
And that's this year's halftime show and how it's pissing me off. <laughs> so, uh, as I mentioned, I uh, really was just kind of a bleep show on Super Bowl Sunday, and I do apologize for that to anybody involved. And I was out cold early. I still, to this point, to this minute of this recording, and I would imagine I'll probably go the rest of my life, maybe I'll stumble on it at some point, I haven't yet to see the halftime show. I sure as hell don't want to watch it after the fact. I rarely want to watch it during the fact. I'm kind of this weird breed when it comes to the Super Bowl. I want to watch the football game and then pick some squares and see if I don't win a couple of bucks. I don't care about the commercials. I don't care about the antics at the beginning and the middle and the end. I don't care about the, the halftime show. I just want to watch a football game and hang out with my friends. It's all I've ever really cared about. So in full disclosure, I haven't seen the halftime show, but I know I'm not going to have a problem with it other than I wish it was 10 minutes shorter so it would have gotten back to the game quicker. Like I think about, oh, I don't know, every halftime show I've ever seen outside of The Who and Tom Petty and maybe McCartney that one year just because everybody was so damn excited. But more thoughts from uh, this dude talking about the halftime show the other day. And this year you had some Latina broads because the NFL done pissed off all the straight white males. Disgraceful and disgusting was the sexualization of the halftime show. Because you had two broads up there just shaking their culos and... <clears throat> And they they were gyrating and 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 gesticulating, and they had cheeks for weeks, and and J Lo was sliding down that down that stripper pole, and what I can only assume was slow motion, and uh, oh Jesus Christ, <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> that was better if you could see the uh, video that goes along with it. It's pretty low budget. It's not some big. Uh, production, as you might guess, but that's pretty funny stuff. And so, of course, everything else is so wholesome on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Everything is just, it's just a choir around here. It's Church Boy Sunday, and then all of a sudden the NFL had to do such offensive things during the halftime show. You know, can I just sit down with my kids and watch some uh, grown men violently slam their heads into each other? All while being emotionally manipulated into buying some stuff they don't actually need without seeing two women be double-cheeked up on a Sunday afternoon. I was offended. You know, I was so offended I couldn't even get up from my chair for <laughs> about 10 minutes after that halftime show. Oh, I love it. I love it. And the final one here, and then we'll transition to having fun with Lindsey Graham audio from the past. The final thoughts from this MAGA-type parody. Today I'm raising the emotional support beer to the NFL and the Super Bowl because they sure need it after that piss-poor performance. You know, maybe next year they can get a, a true Patriot to play the Super Bowl like Ted Nugent, you know, and he can play some non-sexual songs like Wang Dang, Sweet Poon Tang, or maybe just play Stranglehold for 35 minutes straight. <laughs> but anyway, as always, fuck the NFL. <laughs> and that's all I got from... That dude, uh, yeah, it's it's funny when you think back to what was it, around 2003 to 5, somewhere in there, 
Eddie Vedder was wearing a bush mask and um, you know being disrespectful and played a song called Bush Leaguer and everybody booed in certain areas of the country and the one that people remember the most, Dixie Chicks, and they said they were embarrassed to be from America or something. And radio stations were boycotting them. This was fake outrage before it was a you know hashtag was a thing. And everybody, I'll I'll never listen to a Dixie Chicks song again. And then around 08, 09, you know, that disgusting, awful trash bag that is uh, Ted Nugent, who sings about uh, beating women and uh, basically raping them. Uh, it says he's going to kill President Obama if he were to win again. And he does on stage, like shooting arrows at like uh, Obama paraphernalia. And now we're to just all kinds of disgustingness. It is it is wild. It is absolutely wild. American evolution for the entire you know short period of the history of the country is certainly fascinating. But the last twenty five years has been one hell of a damn ride. Once upon a time, what you said, the precedence of words mattered. Things that happened in the past were at least somewhat indicative of where they might go into the future. Hypocrisy was there, but not to the level it is now, and there was at least a semblance of decency. Well, not in the Trumpification of America that we live in now, and there's no better way to prove that than going to the audio vault of the senior senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, now the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, if contradiction is your thing, you're going to enjoy this. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast for February 6, 2020, and we will hear from Lindsey Graham from the past, from the vault, coming up next. More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. We're asking for one live witness, Miss Lewinsky. Give us this witness. We will do it in a professional manner. We will focus on the obstruction. We will try to do it in a way not to demean the Senate. We will try to do it in a way not to demean Ms. Lewinsky. We will try to do it in a way to get to the truth. Please give us a chance to present our case in a persuasive fashion because unlike the House, everything is in dispute here. It's totally a different ball game here. That's why we need witnesses, ladies and gentlemen, to clarify who said what, who's being honest, who's not, and what really did happen in this sordid tale. And I hope at the end of the day, it is our desire to get to the truth that guides us all. Sounds reasonable, right? Ah, song's so great. So great. Really exemplifies how the majority of most assholes walking around treating people like shit, lying to them, making them feel better so they can manipulate them. This is even outside of politics. Hide a smile in understanding eyes. Henry Rollins Band. And I'll tell you things that you already know So you can say I really identify with you So much Sorry I won't do that anymore I don't think I'll come to you like an affliction But I'll leave you like an addiction You wanna know why? You'll never forget me 
Lindsey Graham in 1990, uh, I guess it would be 99, right? 98? No, no, it was 98. It was 98 during the um, the preliminaries, for lack of a better way of putting it, before the actual trial itself against Clinton. And I don't, I what I hate so bad, and I, I, this is getting so, so tired, this well, uh, well, Clinton did this. It sounds like yeah, children, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, be, not being fair. Isn't fair? Remember that time when uh, when Bill Clinton did this? Remember when George Bush did that? And, and, and Reagan, Reagan, and Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter did it. Shut up. Shut up. Who gives a shit about what Jimmy Carter did? Stop. Especially when we're talking in a, in a segment where precedents don't matter. Stop. That, that just got to go away. So that's not worth the angle I'm trying to take. I'm just singling out Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, one particular voice out of many, 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 countless, countless, dozens, dozens, dozens of politicians, senators, and and, and Congress members that say all these things and then just a little bit later say all different things. And in a world when every single thing any of these people do is recorded and archived forever, they still get away with it. And it's another... Uh, it's another proof, piece of evidence to support my theory that politicians are not dumb. Their constituents are fucking morons. And so they steep to the level of their constituents to keep themselves elected and keep the numb nuts happy. And uh, there you go. But there are countless hours of C-SPAN footage and YouTube footage of archived things from the last 20 years, 10, 15, 20, however long, many years, of Mitch McConnell and Newt Gingrich and certainly Lindsey Graham, who just are so contradictory to, to what they said 20 years ago, 30 years ago, to what they say now. And that's Lindsey Graham saying, we've got to have witnesses. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, he made that makes sense. If you're having a quote unquote trial, which this, you know, this hearing is what I call it. It's not a there's no trial going on here. They talk about what they're how they're going to uh, vote on this before they even do it. There's nothing court worthy trial about it. But of course, having witnesses sounds like a good idea. And then they say it out loud. And then a generation later, they change their tune. Why? Because it doesn't work for them anymore. And what they're counting on is that nobody will actually call them out on it and people are just too distracted and too bored and too busy, you know, jerking off to porn and then getting mad about how, you know, J-Lo spreads her crotch too wide that they won't spend their time caring about what they said 20-some-odd years ago. So let's have fun with some Lindsey Graham audio, shall we? To give the credit where all this comes from, it is from a Twitter account called Lindsey Graham's Fake Conscience. It has 24.1 thousand followers. It does say uh, in the uh, subject about little uh, blurb underneath the name that it is, an, a, it is a parody account. Not that I would hope anybody with a brain needed to know that, but just for full disclosure, it does let that be known if somebody wants to know it. If you want to find it, it is at LGS Conscious, at LGS Conscience on 
Twitter. So here we go. We will start with the easy stuff. A lot of these are really short, so this won't take long to get through. Uh, the John McCain stuff, he was a dear friend to Lindsey uh, Graham, and he used to talk about that all the time. Saying that John McCain and people like him are not American heroes. The American people will not tolerate what he is doing now regarding those who have served. This is a line he's crossed, and this is the beginning of the end of Donald Trump. And that was Lindsey Graham giving too much credit to the constituents of the entire country, but certainty, certainly to his party, the thinking that that was something that they actually did care about. Once he realized that they didn't, well, guess what he did? He decided he wouldn't care all that much either. Um, being a jackass used to matter to Lindsey Graham. There comes a point in time where enough is enough. You know, I've tried to be measured about this, but John McCain's one of my closest friends in the entire world. He served his country in an incredibly difficult circumstance. So it's just not about John. Now it's about all those who have served, all those who have been POWs. And somebody's got to push back. I don't know if this doesn't make you a jackass, what does? <laughs> That's a great question, Lindsey Graham. So, you know, when um, radio people do this a lot for some reason, but I'm sure lots of other industries and areas do too, when you're trying to talk down to something, but you don't want to call it like strictly a name, like, hey, that's stupid or you're an idiot, you kind of demean it in a not so subtle way. Like, oh, you know, that little radio show you have or that little little idea you have, that, that was a nice little try, right? That's the kind of things that people do often to demean people without coming right out and saying it. Well, that's what Lindsey Graham was doing when he was talking uh, on this audio piece about Donald Trump just a few years ago. We've gone down a dark road. It's been fun. A bigger-than-life character. You're fired. A good entertainer. A P.T. Barnum-type figure. But now we've gone down a dark path. A dark path of slandering 11 million illegal immigrants and putting in question those who have served and been captured in the service of their country as losers. I mean, I know the culture is different now, and it's easy for me to say it now, but so many times he comes across as sounding so very genuine. But from the rhetoric we hear day in, day out in the news cycle now, it is very clear that that is not nearly as authentic as it once seemed. He goes on to say Trump would be a terrible president. He is contrary to Republican values. To Donald Trump, he would be a terrible commander in chief. Yeah. The way he is conducting himself is contrary to the values I hold as a Republican. I think most of us accept as a nation. And I don't know why I put this one here. It's only five seconds, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. His campaign is based on xenophobia, race baiting, religious bigotry. Doesn't that sound like what all the pinko commie fag super liberals are uh, saying right about now? Doesn't that exact same verbiage, that exact same talking points? And it's like, oh, can you believe all these people? I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking sides on this. I mean, if you know me at all, you know what side I am taking. I don't care enough. I'm just having fun for a podcast. But, I mean, geez. All right, so this one's a little bit longer. It is uh, Lindsey Graham talking to, it's, it's like a banquet or something, and there's a lot of media members there. And he's kind of directing his conversation or his talking points towards the media. And I added some extra audio just for the fun of it. I'm not really happy about where the country is right now. I can make a million Donald Trump jokes, and I have, but our party and our country is going to have to up its game. You're going to have to ask him harder questions. And I don't mean to turn a funny thing into a serious thing, but this guy, any time that Mitt Romney 
thinks you should turn over your taxes. We've... <laughs> We've probably given him a pass. <laughs> Shut up! All right, so I added some um, Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler audio on that just for the fun of it. And we're almost done here. Wrap it up shortly. Lindsey Graham talking. Just These are all just three years ago, right? Whatever it was, three and a half years ago, barely, that um, the foreign policy of Donald Trump would be disastrous. But it's funny. These days, he doesn't have a problem with uh, Don Trump's foreign policy at all. When Donald Trump speaks about foreign policy, it scares the hell out of me. Uh, he said, let Russia fight ISIL. Then after Paris, he wants to blow the whole place up and kill you know, family members of uh, innocent, innocent people. I guess the only thing I would say to be a devil's advocate on the other side is, is that Trump was just talking to all the MAGA types, get them riled up at these, ri- uh, these rallies, and he didn't have the first thought of what he was going to do with foreign policy. And whether he does have a better handle on that or not, I guess he does because of some of the people he has around him, the yes men who do know what they're talking about, and then they can kind of work around his ignorance and then go from there. Plus, we haven't had to deal with foreign policy to the level that we have as much in the last 15 to 20 years. That doesn't mean it's not going to have to starting tomorrow. Anyway, enough about that. Final cut here, and then we'll wrap up the show. Thank you so much for being here. This is much older. It is back from basically where we started off the segment uh, what, 10, 11, 12 minutes ago or so, back in 1998, this is a guy, Lindsey Graham, the senior senator, Republican Party from South Carolina, who has been um, fighting against witnesses at the impeachment trial. And it, I know this isn't a radio show, so if you're still here, you heard everything I said before. There should not have been an impeachment and I am I was not even for him being acquitted. Now, if it happened, that'd, that'd been fine by me. But this is talking about we need witnesses. There's no reason to do this without witnesses. What are we doing here? And now fighting against them. I just I I I don't I can't I can't stand it. I can't take it. I cannot take the uh, bullshit hypocrisy. Of, of everybody in the world, not just Lindsey Graham. I'm just using him because he's got a good uh, parody account that <laughs> documents every stupid-ass whole thing he says that he contradicts later on in his life. The only way you'll know how criminal it is is to hear the people that were there because it doesn't jump off the page. And we're looking to get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth and make a decision for the country that's a good, sound decision. I think you need witnesses to do that. But not anymore, I guess. Right, Lens? My name is Brian. This is the Stone on Air podcast. And uh, if you do happen to have just checked in on this uh, show and you've stuck around for the going on 45 minutes, I certainly do appreciate it. If you're a regular, I love you to death. You know that. I just comment on the passing parade of life and whatever is being the most talked about whether it's locally, I try to focus on locally, but there's not really been anything to talk about here recently. And right now it's been just a loaded national story week, and I'm always going to comment on it. My politics are never going to change. I'm. Um, they might evolve. I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope yours do as well. Um, so I, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind. I just 
I like to talk about things and look at it from sometimes a stupid, silly perspective, sometimes a very serious perspective, uh, sometimes play devil's advocate. I, I don't know. I, I'm not here to try to pound what I believe into anybody's brain and shove anything down anybody's throat. And people who have been here for years, they know that. Sometimes they might have to grit their teeth and get through a few portions of it. But overall, I try to be fair and just try to have a level-headed approach to my um, to my to my topics, and I hope that that comes across to you, the listener, because that is very much my goal. I do not want to alienate. I do not want to make it sound like I'm smart and others are dumb. My beliefs are right and yours are wrong. Theirs are dumb. That's never what I'm trying to do. It might accidentally come across that way. But that's never what I'm trying to do. So love you to death. We'll do it again soon. It might be a week or two as I transition over to the new hosting over at the website. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you just download through the traditional uh, outlets, you're not going to know any difference either way. And just really busy right now. And, I, you know, that's a cop out. We're all really busy right now. I get that. Um, so that makes me even love you even more for checking in. To the show at Stone on Air on all social media, Alt 987 Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Download the app or go to alt98.com if you want to hear some alternative music that's a little repetitive at times, but overall better than most radio you're ever going to find. Y'all have a great week. We'll talk to you again here soon before February is over. All right. See you later. Bye. <laughs>